0: Today's guest, Gus Farwell, a former ASU quarterback.
1: Gus Farwell joins us live via Skype from Barcelona to talk about how this all got started. In Spain, one of those performers just happens to be a former Arizona State quarterback.
2: Gus
0: Farwell, he is going viral this morning. After a failed audition in 2019, Gus Farwell thought he'd never sing again. But little did he know, the world needed his voice. In this episode, we continue to dive into the life of the former ASU backup quarterback and how it was forever changed during the pandemic. I'm Kirsten Sussell, and this is PHNX The Story.
1: You know, look, essentially, I went and jumped through all the hoops that I needed to jump through. You know, I went to this one coach uh, at L.A. Opera and I sang for her and she, you know, I sang one aria for her and she stopped and she said, "Okay, well, that's better than people who are earning ten thousand dollars a night at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. And she said, but I don't know how to help you. That's not what I do. Like, I don't know how to launch people's careers or things. And then I, so she's like, well, I would like you to, you know, work with this one coach and just, you know, show, there's always being a singer is like being a golfer. You always need a coach. And so I went and I did all those things. And then when it sort of came time for me to be put in front of the people who had sort of promised for me to be put in front of, it just didn't happen. I think I was just disillusioned with the whole process of it. You know, I mean, you work in the entertainment industry, you know how it is. It just, it's, there's so many promises. There's so much talk of this, that, and the other. And just when you think one door is opening, it disappears, you know? And, and it was just, and it's a and I was going after it for a very long time. And I, and you know, my kids were growing up and, And I put my wife through it all and she's been 100% my biggest fan, my biggest backer there through everything, pushing always from the back, like, you know, trying to help me trying to do this. And it's exhausting. And then it just kind of got to this point. I was just like, what am I doing? You know, maybe, maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done.
0: By this time, Gus and his wife, Claire, had moved their family to Barcelona to give their daughters the experience of living in Europe gusted and sing for 8 months after deciding he was done pursuing a career in opera then the pandemic hit in 2020 and spain went into a full lockdown
1: it was really extreme here as, as far as i know spain had the worst lockdown in the western world you know i think outside of china we basically had the worst lockdown and our, our kids didn't walk outside our apartment for 45 straight days uh they did not go outside so it was really intense and when that that you know remember it was like oh so it's it's only going to be you know it's just just two weeks you know it, it, that's what it was it was supposed to be uh to start but again we no one had ever gone through anything like this and and you know leading up to it it was really strange it wasn't strange it was normal it, that no one really no one knows each other it's just a city right and you can see people across the way and You know, I know there's a little lady that, you know, waters her flowers directly across and, you know, you see her doing that, but you don't know who she is or have any sort of relationship or whatever. And maybe, you know, if anything, you sort of avert your eyes. If you make eye contact with anybody, it's like, you know, it's, it's the opposite of, of saying hello. And, and then it just really changed that first day where we were all kind of like, okay, it was like, it was almost like being at camp, you know, it's like, Oh, we're, we're all locked in here. And, here you are, and there you are, and and people are, like, waving to each other from the roofs and everything else, like, hi, like, yeah, we're going to be here too, so, uh, you know, I don't really know what to say.
0: To help paint a picture, Gus lives on the seventh floor of an apartment building near a four-way intersection right in the heart of Barcelona, and there are other apartment buildings on every side, meaning his balcony faced a lot of people. While on lockdown, the city came together and decided everyone would come to their windows and balconies and clap at 8 p.m. every night to show their support for frontline workers operating tirelessly to save lives.
1: So we were out there that first night and I, you know, my wife and our daughters were out there, all four of us on, on the balcony and clapping. And, and it was really, really emotional. It was, you know, and everyone was out, everyone was out on the balconies, on the rooftops clapping. And it was dark at night. Um, couldn't really see anybody, but you could, you could hear them. And, and then I remember I, an ambulance came by with its sirens blaring and everybody cheered for it like it was like a running back like running down the sideline you know running for a touchdown it just was really emotional I got kind of caught up in it and kind of let out a couple of notes and uh, you know just the last couple of notes of Ness Dorma and you know the big big notes at the end, some people cheered and everything else. I was like, woo, everything else. And, and then everybody just went back inside. And that was the end of that. It was the next day that my wife said to me, she just said, you know, she's like, why don't you why don't you actually sing something, you know? And I said, I don't know. And I, I said, I, you know, I don't really want to make it about me or this. And she goes, no, 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 it's not about you. It's about them, like sing for them. They need something. And, um, and so I thought, okay. And I, I actually really didn't think much of it at all. And I actually only sang half an aria and sort of hit a high note at the end. Uh, I, I mean, I really just sort of fudged it. And cause I just thought that people weren't going to be interested. <laughs> but the next thing I knew, they all went nuts and started chanting, um, Otra, Otra, you know, which means another, another. And Again, I just sort of like threw a couple of lines together and hit a high note, and then everybody cheered again, and then we walked off, and that was the end of that. Uh, The next night, I went out and sang uh, this song uh, from the 1700s. It's a Bellini piece that I really love. It's really nice, but it's not for like a big... It's just sort of... There's no big ending. Uh, No one I think could really hear me because it's kind of a softer piece, and everybody, um, sort of, it was just sort of this soft golf clap at the end. And I was like, Oh God, that was embarrassing. And I was laying in bed and just sort of going, wow, well, I really, really let everyone down. And so the next morning I just sort of got up and said, I'm going to do this properly. And, and, um, got to completely dismantled my home theater system and put all the speakers out on the, on the balcony. And, uh, let's see. And then just, basically went and, you know, as my dad used to say, give them both barrels. And it's like, okay, I'm going to give them the big, big stuff. And went out and sang Nessun Dorma. Hey. My 11-year-old daughter, I think, uh, filmed it from the other balcony, and my wife posted it, and then it just kind of went nuts from there.
0: Little did he know, singing on his balcony would become a nightly tradition, and that two-week lockdown wound up lasting more than two months. Gus sang every night for 65 straight days, providing hope during a seemingly hopeless time for not only those in his neighborhood in Barcelona, but for people all around the world, thanks to the power of social media.
2: Uh, there was a secret chord that David played in a trees, the Lord, but you don't really care for music, to you. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor form, the major lift, the baffled king composing. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah!
1: it was just overwhelming how many people were tuning in. I mean, people were writing to me from like Chile and there was this one sweet lady that would write to me all the time. who was a dentist in Siberia. I, I mean, i just like all over the place from Australia, from, you know, all around Europe, people were writing. Um, my, my wife says all the time, she, as soon as it was 15 minutes past eight, she just get all these text messages and emails and stuff going like, where is it? Where? Why haven't you posted it yet? Like what's going on? You know? And we had this whole production studio going on, right? About a week into it. Claire looked at Claire, my wife looked at me and she was just like, you know, you need to start planning songs. Cause this is going to go, this is going to be longer than two weeks. You know, she saw it early on and, And so I was like, okay. And I still have the schedules somewhere of the, uh, we, we made calendars, wrote out calendars. And I wrote down all the songs that I know, or even the potential songs that I know. Some of them, I didn't know. Some of them were the first time I'd ever sung them ever off balcony. And it's kind of, you know, it would have been actually a lot easier to do it without the whole online following, you know, because I knew that every note was going to end up out out there but other than that i was i was fine with everything else i mean we were we were doing everything from you know I, i affectionately say we did everything from meatloaf to mozart and pretty much everything in between my twitter account almost got shut down uh because don henley does not like people doing his music and posting it online welcome You know, and it was funny, there was like an ebb and flow to it. Like the weekends were always way more exciting. And I would kind of save the big, the really, what I thought would be really good songs for the weekend because there would just be a bigger crowd. One of my favorite moments was the Saturday when I did sort of a, a Queen tribute. Or I did uh, Radio Gaga, uh, you know, with the whole clapping thing like Freddie Mercury did at, at Live Aid back in, in, in London.
2: Your finest hour, radio.
1: Everybody just jumped right in. Are
2: we here?
1: there was a guy down the street who would blast, who ended up started DJing after I would sing. So there was this whole communal thing going on at the time. And then they found me on Instagram and then he, he would actually talk to everybody through like he had a microphone and, and there was, it was actually really funny. And, he eventually started calling out. He's like, "Gaz, Gaz, we love you. We love you, guys. We found you on Instagram. <laughs> and so, and again, no one knew who I was. I, I'm singing in my neighborhood, but nobody knows me.
0: Day after day, month after month, rain or shine, Gus never missed a night. And while he was entertaining others, he once again found his passion for singing.
1: I mean, it was truly the most special experience I've ever had in performing. I mean, including all the stuff. I mean, it's great with singing in front of Muhammad Ali and Tom Hanks and Placido Domingo and everything else. But this was by far, by far the most special thing that I'd ever experienced.
0: About two months into the lockdown, a local Barcelona newspaper announced the city was going to end their gatherings for frontline workers, which would also mark the last night of Gus's performances. By that time, it was a welcomed ending.
1: It was really emotional. It was really special. Uh, But it was also kind of (laughs) arduous. I mean, it was it was 65 days was a long time. I don't think I've ever done anything for 65 straight days, you know, I do anything for 65 straight days. And it was just like, wow. Okay. So, um, and I was just running out of songs. I didn't want to repeat songs. And I just sort of felt like I had given everything that I could give. And then they announced it on Friday, that uh, on the Friday, that on Sunday it would end and it just reinvigorated me and then i was like okay fantastic now now and not only that i can plan how the the last weekend is going to go then the, f- the finale happened claire opened up the doors as i was tinkering with something and i'll never forget the amount of applause that i heard outside and how many people there were And I immediately knew like, wow, okay, everyone's turned out. Try not to get too emotional here. In opera, when you become a certain level, when you walk out on the stage, even if it has nothing to do with what's going on, even if you're not even part of the action of the play, if you just walk out on stage, the audience goes into full applause when you walk on the stage. And so that day when I walked out onto the balcony, it just erupted. I mean, I was surprised I even made through the singing, quite frankly. And in fact, at the last Nessun Dorma, most... I mean, 99% of people won't hear it, but I can hear it where my voice almost went because I was starting to get too emotional and start crying just because I knew I was done too. Like it was just, and just hitting that final last note and just being done. The relationship and the, that we had built over the course of, you know, these couple of months, uh, it was incredible. It was just so amazing. And then we come back inside and uh, just, you know, absolutely on cloud nine. And Claire gets a text message from the guy downstairs saying, hey, did you see the cops in the building? And she said, what cops? And she writes back what cops the doorbell rings and go and open it. And there's two uh, two police officers just basically told me they shut me down. They said they were very complimentary. They said, you know, you have a very nice voice, by the way, uh, but you cannot do this anymore. There's way too many people. You know, there were still tons of restrictions. Like you weren't even supposed to have six people together. And it was so fantastic that as he was walking out, he turned right back around and looked me straight in the eye. And he's like, no mas, like no more. And I, and I looked at him and I said, absolutely not. Like, absolutely no. And, but it, it gave it such closure that it, it truly was done.
0: Gus's pandemic performances might be done and over with, but his story is far from it. His decision to open up his balcony doors and sing opened up so many other doors to incredible opportunities. This fall, thanks to a connection he made after his viral performances, he'll be singing at ASU Gamage, where he'll fulfill a dream decades in the making.
1: I was sneaking onto the stage. I snuck in through the loading dock into Gammage, Went out on that stage when there was just a ghost light and it was in complete darkness. And I remember looking up at that, that theater going, I'm, I'm going to be in this theater at some point. I want to sell this place out. And I didn't, didn't really even think about that for a very, very long time. During the actual lockdown, I did an interview with... Um, Colleen Jennings Rogensack from from ASU Gamage. I said, "Oh yeah, I remember sneaking in there." And and then she said, "Oh, well, we would love to have you come and perform." And I was like, "Okay. Wow. All right. Like, really? Like you know, is this going to be like another thing like some of the the stuff in entertainment where someone says, "Yeah, we're we we're going to do this." And and then it all fizzles away. Um but no, it's it's happening and eventually even like, let's say things go really well at gamage and it, maybe it leads to something else. Maybe it leads to some opportunities. Um, I I've, I've sort of learned to drop the expectation of that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to worry about it. I just want to go and enjoy being there with the audience and putting on a show. And I don't want to think about anything else. Cause I thought about that stuff for a long time. Well, what is this going to do? How is this? You know, it's, that's, it's, It's the curse of the entertainment industry. It's always the what's next. I I don't want to think about that with this concert. It's only about being there. This concert is so so much a moment in my life of just 25 years later, coming back and singing at Gammage to be able to do that. Just to have the opportunity to do that is incredible for me.
0: That's actually not the only exciting thing Gus has in store during this football season. Because of connections he made during an interview with the Pac-12 Network about his singing back in 2020, he'll be doing broadcast work with the network and will make his debut on Thursday, September 1st, during ASU's season opener against Northern Arizona.
1: I'm really excited. I'm as excited about this and uh, being able to talk about football and be around football again and really just enjoy it from the outside perspective. Uh, And, you know, eventually I will have to transition out of there is an end game to my singing and I will have to transition out. And if that is being able to work in and around college football for a while, um, that's great.
0: Gus's life has been full of highs and lows, unexpected turns, and lots of disappointment that ultimately led him to these beautiful moments.
1: You know, even your darkest moments can become your biggest lights in your life. And you just, you, don't, you might not be able to see it, you might not be able to feel it. In fact, it might feel so far from you, it, it, it almost seems impossible. But... It, it, it does and it can happen. You just have to kind of keep going. The moments that I've had along the way, the 96 season being one of them, you know, uh, it seemed like it was terrible. The fact that I didn't, uh, you know, I thought I was going to UCLA or Oregon. I ended up going to ASU. Wouldn't trade it for the world now. But what was a disappointment turned into one of the greatest things that could have ever happened to me and that that is you can't always, you know, i think it was steve jobs who said in his famous speech you can't always connect the dots looking forward you can only see how they connect looking back and that is 100% true who knew, who knew that you know my dream of doing you know college football broadcasting would be because i sang off my balcony in barcelona I, right i absolutely impossible to predict that and yet here we are. There were times where people talked about doing sort of a film about my story. And I remember always thinking, but there's no end yet. There hasn't, there hasn't been an end. So, you know, where, how, does it, how does it finish? Where's the write-off in the sunset moment? Or is there a write-off in the sunset moment? I don't know.
0: I think that's a pretty good place to leave this podcast, but not end it, because Gus Farwell's story is still in the process of being written, and from one sun devil to another. Absolute best of luck, Gus.